Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. This is Outlandish Zicky Dice, and you're listening to the All Night Long Podcast. All Night Long It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the all night long wrestling podcast we are your host he's the stallion i'm the enforcer and today we have a very special guest you might know her as the conduit of karma kaya mckenna thank you so much for joining the show today we really appreciate your time Thank you guys for having me on this evening. I can't wait to chat. It's going to be a blast. That's awesome. We've already had such good conversation. I thank you for taking time out of your uh, crazy day so far and this week to uh, stop by the show. Um, I guess first and foremost, uh, it's January of 2021. We are in a new year. The year of 2020, the worst year possibly in history, some might say, is behind us. Um, how did you handle what last year was like? What did you do? Did you do anything new? Did you learn anything? What was your 2020 like? Okay, so my 2020 actually started off with me attending wrestling school at Black and Brave in Davenport, Iowa from January to March. And, you know, you go to wrestling school, you're all ready to go. But then the world kind of got a little bit dicey, right? So... You know, initially I had this meltdown, like, oh my gosh, I just spent all this time training. I drove 15 hours from home. Like, you know, I lived with nine other people. Like I, I put in all this time to do this thing that I've been wanting to do that I love. And it is effectively on pause. Cause at that point in time, like nobody was even running, like everybody had canceled their shows, I think, except for WWE and AEW. And even then that was up in the air. We didn't even know if we were going to have WrestleMania. Right. So, like, I had my meltdown. I drove back home. Um, and after, like, you know, a day or two of just self-care and, like, getting my grounding, I realized, okay, I can't control the fact that I do not have any active shows to immediately start working. But I can still work on my character. I can 
work on my costumes, I can go to the gym and get in good shape. Um, as soon as I was able to train again, I think around July and August, gyms started opening up and I was able to start training at Worldwide Dojo with Cheeseburger and Sumi Sakai out back my way on the East Coast. So it's just been like finding like ways to continue making small improvements, even though you can't like just because you can't actively go out and wrestle like three shows every other weekend doesn't mean you can't still be like building upon your career and other aspects. Right. So I just tried to take control of the things I can control and like not stress over things that were just so wildly out of my control that it would have been a waste of my time to get stressed about them. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, um, like a pro fighter, like they just cause you can't spar doesn't mean you can't make yourself a better fighter. Like in professional wrestling, there's so many aspects to what makes professional wrestling, professional wrestling. Yes. It's a physical aspect, but there are ways you could learn psychology without being in the ring. There are ways you could learn your character. So you know, with that kind of positive mental attitude and that mindset, you're like, all right, this sucks. It sucks for everybody. How can I make this suck less for myself, right? And, and being able to take that energy and harness it into something good, you know, I, some things good did come out of 2020 then, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I actually did before I went to wrestling school was I, yeah, I had to wait a whole year to go. Like you apply and then you wait. Like, or at least that's how their school's set up. They have a little bit of a period where they, you know, rotate people in and out. So you have this dead time. You can't wrestle. You don't want to do anything stupid and get yourself hurt before yeah. you go because it's a good opportunity, right? But you you still can make good use of that time. And what I did was I started going to, like, my local indies in Maryland and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and just kind of, like, helping out as much as I can with ring crew, just talking to people, getting different perspectives, like, learning, learning you know, stuff like how the ring goes together. Like, when you put a, a turnbuckle on, like, what you do with the zip ties to be safe and, like, all of that, like, small stuff, right? Like... It was just such a good experience, and I met a lot of really good people through that, and I was able to have some really good opportunities. I was actually helping out at Impact quite regularly prior to going to wrestling school, just kind of doing ring crew for them and setting chairs and whatever they needed when they were on the East Coast. And um, because I did that, because I kind of took that little bit of initiative where I was like, okay, I can't actively wrestle just yet, but I can still be a part of this community and I can still learn. When I got out of wrestling school, despite everything being on hold from the pandemic, I was still able to kind of pick right back up where I left off. And I had these contacts and these friends I had already made. And I was able to continue doing ring crew at some places. That's how I kind of got into helping out at GCW was through some of the legwork I did prior to wrestling school. So you can always like, it's weird. You just kind of have to adapt and overcome. And you can learn, like you said, in so many ways, you don't have to physically be in a ring to be learning about the business and how you can be a better part of it. So that's so cool. And it's definitely putting, you know, you have to put yourself in a position to, to succeed, right? Like by talking to people, like it's funny because if you go back and you watch like the NWA shows from the mid eighties, you see, um, uh, I drawn a blank, uh, Teddy long. Wow. You see Teddy long, like taking wrestlers robes and stuff like that. And that's how he got his start in the business. So like to learn, as the old guard would say, uh, paying your dues, right? You learn the hard way and you build street cred. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because it's not like, I mean, I, I feel like you're always going to have like gatekeeper, gatekeeper, eh, blah, words, gatekeepers that abuse that <laughs> process that's a part of this business. But you're also going to have a lot of good people that really appreciate you putting in that extra effort, even if it's just something as simple as when you take their attire to the locker room that you put it over a chair or on a table instead of just like throwing it in a pile on the floor. Or um, whenever I'm at GCW, I always try to like make a mental note around like two or three o'clock, like, okay, 
go get water for the locker room. Like no one's going to tell you to do it, but you need to go do it because they need it. You know, so like just small stuff like that. And like nobody expects it at this point in time, but it's always appreciated. And you just, you can't be like, I'm too good to do that. Because nobody's ever too good to help out their friends, right? And really all that is, is like if, if your friend just had a really long match and they're tired and you can get them a bottle of water, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, like it's, it's more about like being a good person, you know, than it is about like paying these dues. Just being a good friend and a good person to those that you are friends with that you want to be good to you. It's like, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it is karma. Yeah, it's like I heard... Um, the shopping cart agreement, I don't know if you heard this. It's like if you go to the grocery store and you grab a shopping cart, it's like you're making an agreement to bring that shopping cart back. It's not going to hurt you and, and by doing it, right? But like some people leave it there. It's like what that's what determines if you're a good person. Like if you take that shopping cart and bring it back to where it's supposed to be, you've fulfilled that agreement. If you're going to leave it there for somebody else to do, you're taking the onus off of you. And that's the same kind of thing. It's really just being about like a good person wanting to do stuff for other people. And usually for the most part, people that are – Good people put themselves in that kind of position and people want to work with them. So you, I mean, you've only been training um, about two years now, three years. Um, I have been training since January of this year and I had my first match in July. So I'm like my rookie year, kind of, sort of. I guess my rookie year technically started in July. So you've been around, okay. but I had not been actively wrestling okay. until this year. So, um, a year prior i did some ballet work but i wasn't like actively like involved in like the performance aspect it was more of a behind the scenes thing just kind of learning how the business is structured so and i know you grew up a wrestling fan right this is something you've been interested in forever that's so I, i'm not okay that's awesome because we've had a couple people on the show recently that were like yeah i didn't really grow up a fan and i'm like that's so weird to me that you'd be in the business and in such a successful position. I feel like wrestling is one of those things where it's like, if you're a fan of wrestling, you're like literally a fan for life, right? If you're committed to that lifestyle, it's one of those things that it has been with you forever. So what did you grow up watching? Were you like an Attitude Era person? Were you a little before that? What did you like? God, I'm going to make myself sound old. <laughs> nope. I grew up watching wrestling in the early to mid 90s. Um, a lot oh. of like, you know, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, like, that that particular like Hulk Hogan like that particular era era I did I love like 1980s WCW like oh Starcade 87 is one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time as I've gotten older I, I mean East Coast I like ECW obviously <laughs> um, that's a given <laughs> especially being two hours from Philadelphia right I'm so um, happy right now. You have no idea. So happy. I, um, I grew up like, and obviously being so close to Philadelphia, like as I started to like become a teenager, I was actually super into independent wrestling growing up. I remember watching like Ring of Honor in 2003, 2004, like 2006, like when you would have to order the DVDs and like put them in your crappy like tower desktop computer. Yes. The quality was garbage, but you didn't care. You just wanted to see um, Samoa Joe so bad, right? right. Everything so, came like, from RF video back then, right? That's where you got the things from. Yeah. I used to, I used to like stay up. I would like set my VCR to record TNA when they were on at like 4am when they first came around in like 2004. Cause I just thought it was so cool to see like some of these people I had seen like on the indies in my area wrestling on TV. Oh, pardon me on TV. And as I've gotten older, I feel like I've kind of delved a little bit deeper into wrestling. My family obviously are huge wrestling fans. They always come out and watch me if I'm like a drivable distance for them. But now, like, like recently, I really started to enjoy watching, like, Michinoku Pro from the 1990s. I just watched, like, Masked Man Tournament 97. It's phenomenal. I love, like, Grand Naniwa. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> I just love that he's such a good, basic, 
awesome wrestler, but has like this gimmick to support his skill set. And it's just a lost art these days where everything is so over the top acrobatic. Oh my God. Uh, it's like speaking to a mirror. I'm so happy right now. And the fact that you brought up eighties WCW, like to me going back and watching that mid to, I would say Jim Crockett promotions like 83, 84 to 91 NWA and WCW holds up so well. Doesn't it? Like it's so easy to watch now and it's so enjoyable. Whereas I feel like the WWF back then it was, the commentary was great, but the in ring was okay. But I'm watching Magnum and Tully and I'm like, this, this would stand the test of time and I could put this on today and you could do this in front of 50,000 people today and people get the same reaction. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And there's something to be said, you know, we were just talking about things you can do to be productive in wrestling when you're not physically in a ring and like watching those tapes is always a huge thing you can do. It's always a huge thing you can do. You can always take something away from it, even if it's like a cell or a move or a spot or like anything, right? Like you can always learn visually and especially you have screen record on your phone now. So you can be like, oh, that was so cool. Screen record, slow it down. That's how we did it. Like, you know, you can... <laughs> this technology that was not, not available to people like you know I sometimes when I, I would when I was at Black and Brave I would sit and I would be like man like when when you know Seth Rollins and Merrick Brave and all these guys were like coming up like there wasn't like YouTube wasn't super big like MySpace was just becoming a thing like we were just getting phones that could take like video and stuff and the only real way to put yourself out there was to do what they did which was just do like four shows every weekend every other weekend and like but now, like, with, with technology, like, it's it's insane the amount of information you can absorb and the way you can present yourself with such, like, with, like, less effort. You know, I <laughs> to say it's, like, lazy. Like, you had to be, like, a tape trader back then who knew a guy who knew a guy who saw something in a magazine to get something from Japan. Now you do uh, New Japan World, and it's like, oh, okay, I just watched the entire G1. Meanwhile, people would, like, thousands of dollars that would cost. Or, like, FMW. Like, I remember in... Yeah. The early 90s, there was a, a Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, and it had Sabu and the Sheik against Onita and somebody, and everything was on fire. And I'm looking at this like a child. I'm like, what is this? And now it's like, oh, I'll just watch it on YouTube. But it's so – we're so spoiled, right, to be able to learn from that. Um, well, you mentioned two names, and now I have to ask you the question that I ask every single person that comes on the podcast. It, it, it drives a line down the friendship that is myself and Joe. If you had to choose one – all time that you could only watch this one wrestler's matches, would it be Shawn Michaels or would it be Bret Hart? Shawn Michaels. You are with the overwhelming majority. There's like me and three people that are on team Bret Hart. I'm, I'm a huge Bret Hart guy, but I'm happy to know you have an appreciation for him. And I proudly do a great Bret Hart inspired bulldog. So that is like one of my go-to things. I have a great bulldog. I am super proud of it. And it always makes me think of Bret Hart when I do it. So and awesome. So Bret Hart lives on. That is, that I is great Bret Hart to hear. More than you will ever know. <laughs> okay, awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Listen, you mentioned um, worldwide dojo. Weird influences that kind of like go into what makes up my moveset and things I do. Like so, Bret Hart's one of the guys you took influences from. Who else did you, you know, do you watch now, or did you watch growing up? And you're like, and that influenced your style a little bit. That influences my particular style. Well, I always like kind of, you always want to like, I always think of like the three people that like really influenced me the most. I would say China because she's just this larger than life presence. Like I'm tall when I go to the ring, I want to stand up straight and I want to have this presence that like China had, right? Like that she was like the queen there 
or I guess like like a Charlotte Flair type presence if you want to go even more modern, like just very statuesque and very like commanding of the ring. Like great posture, everything square. Yeah. Oh. So I just I love that vibe that she put off. I definitely want to have that with my appearance. As far as like technical ability, I really Dean Malenko is my favorite wrestler. I watch Dean Malenko matches to the cows come home. <laughs> like I think he's incredible. I love his uh, two out of three falls match with Eddie Guerrero. It was like ECW TV, 1995 in August, maybe. Wow. That maybe. was a tape training uh, classic. <laughs> that was so, that was the, the tape. That match, I mean, lives in the test of time. I think it's on a collection on WWE Network now, of course. But <laughs> yeah, uh, his stuff, with, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Like with stuff with Eddie Guerrero that time. And, and Dean Malenko, carried that style to wcw where he was one of the pillars of the cruiserweight division that everybody kind of forgot about like the base of the cruiserweight division because behind every guy who does these acrobatic moves there's there's some dean malenko just like basing and going around and being there for them and making them look good so that way when it was his turn to wrestle like he could do these crazy holds that were just as impressive like he was he gave so much to that division that I don't always think he gets all the credit that he deserves. Uh, well, he's also in terms of his personality, he is he was the Iceman, right? He was stoic yeah. and he but whenever he told he was very witty and very funny. And I think that did maybe tran translate to the camera as well as it should have. But Dean Malenko is another guy that you can go watch now. And it's. We talked about it earlier. It's not the somersault 740 corkscrew, yada, yada, yada. It was. He was the guy that commanded the match, you know, and he was the guy that you couldn't take your eyes off of. Um, I, I really like technical wrestling. I actually have a background in martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Ishinru karate. So I try to incorporate holds and like more of those transitions and those um, fundamentals into my moveset. I really, I really like Joshi style that has that more, not like strong style, but it, there's this struggle there that you don't always get in modern wrestling. Like you feel like it's a real fight, not because it's like wildly aggressive and they're beating the hell out of each other, but because you, you can, you sense the struggle, like you feel like the push and the pull of the match. So I've always liked, um, Joshi, like Bull Nakano. I love her. Um, and I would say the other thing that influences me, and this isn't even like a technical ability thing, but I love the great Muda because he's so otherworldly and like, I'm a witch and I want to be like this otherworldly thing that like people just buy into. Like the, the moment I'm out there, they suspend their disbelief and truly believe that I'm using magic to do what I'm doing in that ring. So I really draw a lot of inspiration from his ability to just make people like buy into the gimmick. I think that's incredible. The Great Muda was wildly <laughs> underrated. And the fact that he never had a uh, world title run in WWE was uh, in uh, WCW was just devastating. He's one of those guys. And Arn Anderson says it too. He's like, he's one of those guys that should have had a championship. So that, those are, wow. So pretty much Bull, Bull Nakano, The Great Muda, Dean Malenko, and Bret Hart. That's a that's a fearsome foursome. That That is uh, – that is quite the eclectic, but that, that also talks to like how important it is to be so varied in what you're watching, right? You can't just watch one type of wrestling. There's to be creative and, you know, you're also a graphic designer, correct? Yes. So you have like that, that's a creative outlet, right? So you, you need some uh, kind of creative sources and you have to be open-minded too. So be able to get inspiration from all four of those people. That is uh that's really cool. So you, you trained with um, Sumi Sakai in the Worldwide Dojo, you said, and you trained at Black and Brave. So you kind of started, you just took the wrestling training world by storm, and you're like, I want to get trained by the best people possible. 
What's it like training with Cheeseburger? Because I assume Cheeseburger is the nicest human being that ever walked the face of this earth. He absolutely is. And not only that, but he is the most patient trainer I have ever worked with. And when he trains people, you true like you know that in his heart he wants to see every person succeed at wrestling. Like even the people that wrestling doesn't come naturally to them, like people that might be clunky or a little awkward or not naturally athletic, like he really is invested in his students on a whole different level. Like he will walk you through, even if it's like to the point where he's taking your hand and putting it where it needs to be so you do it right, like mechanically. He is just so patient and such a good instructor. And I mean, I love Black and Brave, but I don't live in Iowa. So it's not reasonable for me to be able to go. Like if I'm ever in Iowa, I can go there. I can train. Like I can get feedback and tips from Rollins and Merrick and they're great. But I don't live in Iowa. I live 15 right. months, 15 hours away from Iowa and I have to keep training. And Berger and Sumi just welcomed me into their dojo with open arms. And I've gotten to learn so much from them. That's like different than what I learned in wrestling school. Cause everybody's different in wrestling. We all come from different backgrounds and we learn different ways. And like just the backgrounds they have were so different from the backgrounds that like Rollins and Merrick had and their journeys. So it's like, it's just such a cool, cool thing that like I've been able to go there and just like learn from both of them. They're incredible. And they're, they're wonderful instructors. Wonderful I you know, you said you had a background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. How long have you been training? Oh, okay. So I did Brazilian. I have not been training recently because I've been so invested in pro wrestling. And I, I I work during the day. So it's like between like wrestling training and like stuff for wrestling and then my day job, I haven't had time to go roll recently. But I did train for four years doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I was an IBJJF competitor. So I would go around and do like the um, pan tournaments and what have you. And then small tournaments as well, like in the Jersey area, I would do like um, Naga tournaments and like Grappler's Quest and all of that stuff as well. So we probably crossed paths then because I've competed a lot in Jersey and did the good fight and Naga. So that is, that's so I cool. Have, I, don't, I don't think I have it within reach, but I have a couple of good fights medals. Um, we used to do good fights because you have to place an X amount of smaller tournaments before you can compete at like Boston Open, Miami Open, um, yep. and Harlem. So, yeah, we used to do the Rowan University tournaments all the time. So. Oh, wow, that's so cool. What a, what a small world then, yeah. Um, so I know from experience competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then stepping in a professional wrestling ring, it is a 180-degree difference. Like it's a, it's a complete different mindset. Was that difficult for you because you're used to competing and now we're working with somebody in the ring? It, it's it, – it's so hard to explain to somebody the difference in that because your instincts should be the opposite, right? Well, that's the thing that's interesting. So I did martial arts. I did Ishinru, like, oh my God, from the time I was like six to the time I was like 12, like for a very, very long time. And I was a national level competitor as a child in that sport. And like, when you compete, like, I hate to say it's like killer be killed, you know, strike first, strike hard, no yeah. mercy. <laughs> it's Cobra Kai, yep. Like, somebody else is going to knock you on your ass. Right. Um, first sparring tournament I participated in, I was kind of, like, you know, a little hesitant and nervous. And this girl kicked me in the stomach so hard, I rolled off the mat and puked. Like, wow. and that was my only second-place trophy in sparring. But I learned a very valuable lesson that day about competing, right? Like, you just, you need to go. This It's not like when you're in your gym and you're training with your friends and, like, ha-ha, he-he, we're practicing, we're going to You don't want to hurt them, right? 
yeah, it's like you have to go because if you don't go, somebody else is going to go. So having that experience as a kid actually translated really well for me when I started doing jujitsu tournaments as an adult, because like I was already preconditioned to like, all right, I just got to go. Like I just have to go and just not try to kill somebody, but like I have to try to win. Like I can't like, they're not going to be gentle with me. I just need to go in. And it's interesting because in wrestling, I think it's good to have that kind of background or even like an amateur wrestling background, because then when you do professional wrestling, you naturally move more like an athlete. You don't look as clunky in the ring. Um, For me, the hardest part has been having to like stand up straight when I wrestle because I'm so used to like being down, like in that elbows in tucked. Yeah. Close tight, like, you know, wanting to be able to like duck and shoot very easily, but like wrestling is very performative. So you want to have this presence, right? It's so that's been a big challenge for me. It's silly, but you would think that like, why would that be the challenge? But it is ingrained in you for years and years and years of martial arts that you want to like have that like, you know, offensive defensive positioning. But in wrestling, it's more about standing up straight and feeling like big and grand, right? Yeah. And you just do it's about taking away space. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. And if you're taking away space, guess what? Things don't look good when you're like this. You know, you have to, to make things look good. It has to be open. So when I was learning strikes, I would have that problem too, because, you know, like when you throw strikes and sparring, you're like, your strikes are quick. You know, they're not like <laughs> actually trying to hit somebody. Like right. And that. they're straight too, like realistically in real life. Yeah. My strikes has been something that has been a learning curve for me as a professional wrestler. And yeah, it's just like, and I had a lot of personal hesitation at first because I was like, I don't want to hit you for real because that's not going to be fun. So like at first I was like really holding back because I didn't want to accidentally like really hit somebody, you know. So just having to like learn that that way of like theater, it's it's acting, you know, like that theater aspect of it was just so cool to me too, though. You know, as it started to fall into place, I was like, all right, this is cool. I can get on board with this. No one's, you know, hopefully not really trying to hit me in the face, but, you know. <laughs> It's, it's so different from like mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or competitive um, ISK karate because those are very real tournaments and wrestling is very much theater, you know, like... You don't go out, I mean, for the most part, you don't go out like drinking with your opponent at a tournament, you know, afterwards, you don't hang out, you don't know their family, you don't like them, you know? No. So like pro wrestling had a lot of like, it was cool because there were a lot of advantages to that background, but then there were also like a lot of things I had to then become mindful of. And, like, not bad habits I had to break, but just things I had to be aware of and learn to, like, moving forward. Like, go, okay, this is, you know, this is things that are going to make me a better wrestler if I can, like, change, you know? Yeah. I mean, does it drive you crazy, as somebody who's trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, to see that a lot of wrestlers these days think they're um, real shooters? And they don't have, like, not that they don't have experience doing it, but the way that some of the moves look... It kind of, it, it it stands out to you, right? Like you could totally see people that don't yeah. know. In my head, I'm I'm thinking like, okay, like if I if this was me, I would turtle or I would like roll backwards or I would you know like shrimp or I would do this to get out of this position. But um, the one that really kind of gets me, and like I'm not a, a jujitsu or professional wrestling guru by a long shot. I am still very new to this business, but. Something that gets me is when somebody applies an arm bar in professional wrestling and they give that full extension right out the gate. Like, you're not getting that arm back. Um, and, and there's no fight. Like, there's no attempt to prevent that from the opponent. Yeah, and, and I'm totally okay with people incorporating that into their moveset. I think it's great. I do that myself. But, you know, 
make them fight for it. Like, how much cooler would it be to see somebody do an armbar in professional wrestling and they're trying for it and they're pulling and they can't get it and then they just start laying them in on their face, right, to try to, like, get that arm free. And then there's, like, that element of realism that makes it feel like a struggle and there's that push and pull as opposed to just, oh, here's my arm, right? So I just, like, it's those types of things that I pick up on that I think would be so cool if people, like, I love that people do it, but, like, like there's a way to do it that makes it really, really, like, I don't know. Authentic. Uh, is authentic. Oh, that's a, yeah, that is a perfect word. Like if you watch um like one of my favorite wrestlers in the world is Kyle O'Reilly, right? And when you watch him um on arm bars for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And he's also a jiu-jitsu competitor. But like when he wrestled like Shibata, for example, like nobody's giving anybody an arm bar. If you're trying to apply an arm bar, they're locking it and they're taking it and they're fighting for it. And I think you make such a exactly you make such a great point. Like little things like that. Um, just really stand out and it can add so much um, to the match. That's like, I'd love to see when people go to do arm bars in professional wrestling, if their opponent went immediately on the defensive, like, oh, wait, I know this is coming. I need to defend against it instead of just like waiting and then being surprised. Cause that's not like, and then like the other thing is like, so in wrestling, everything's big, right? Like you could make it this big moment when you finally get that arm and just really like Woo, like that you know like because you know you do the punches they're big and they're like larger than life right like make it this larger than life moment that lends itself well to professional wrestling right and once you get that full extension you fall back and you have the arm the place goes wild you know condition the fans to understand that that's how it should look and i think that that's so cool that's so cool yes that oh, that's so on the same page now listen you um you we talked recently and you said um, you have a couple of big bookings coming up that were going to be announced. And then we talked about uh, GCW Game Changer Wrestling's Fight Forever. Yes. And I had seen a, a post or two about it. Game Changer Wrestling does a great job of putting it out there. And because of you, I want Game Changer Wrestling to know, because of you, uh, Joe and I looked into it, and we we're going to be sponsoring a match at Fight Forever, where 100% of the proceeds go to the professional wrestlers. And that is going to be uh, January 30th, Saturday, um, for 24 straight hours of professional wrestling live and free on Game Changer Wrestling's YouTube. So if anybody asks where the All Night Wrestling Podcast got the idea from, it's uh, seriously all yours. Ed, thank you so much for telling us about that. And what can you tell us about the event that you're going to be part of? Um, it's really cool. So when they first announced it, I was like, how in the hell are they going to do this? But, you know, right. there's always a method to the madness. I've kind of come to embrace that about Game Changer Wrestling, right? Like, they're, they're, they're mad scientist-type genius people. And, like, then now we've started to see, like, bits and pieces of this show become public, the, um, the blocks, right? And there's just so much variety and diversity. Like, you know, Effie is running another LGBTQ show during the 24-hour block, um... Alley Cat's running an all-women's show. There's uh, For the Culture is going to run a show. Um, they Alley ran Cat's it. hot girl shit is the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. I can't wait. And I think that's so cool to see women getting a bigger platform in GCW because there's not been much of a platform for women in that promotion. Right. So to see her taking that on and putting that stage there for younger performers like me, like, I think that's so cool, right? Like, the, it's just including so many different types of people. Um even that like 440 is getting their own block. That's going to be fun and cool and different and your traditional GCW blocks. And I'm trying to think of who else has a block. Oh, I know. I think freelance is running a block. No yep. piece on the ground. Like I think getting, black label pro. 
Black Label Pro, yeah, you're getting all the flavors, right? You're getting like, you know, the West Coast flavor, the Midwest flavor, the East Coast flavor, the hardcore, the deathmatch, the technical, the acrobatic. Like you're getting like the comedy matches, you know, you're, you're getting every flavor of ice cream in the case. It's a buffet. It really is. And it's free. That's the yeah. thing. It is free. And you could donate to it if you're a good person. Like we spoke about earlier, you could donate to Game Changer Wrestling. Um, just go on their social media, Game Changer Wrestling everywhere and donate to it. A hundred percent of the proceeds go to the professional wrestlers. And this year, obviously in a pandemic, the amount of shows we were going to have has been cut in, I, I don't know, hundreds at this point. Um, you know, So give back to the wrestlers that are literally out there wrestling in front of i mean crowds that are a tenth the size a 15th the size you have had some pandemic matches how do you is it is it tough for you because you have such a great character um to not play off the fans as much as you normally would um so yeah obviously that's the disadvantage is the fans aren't there to like really kind of pander to and like embrace and enjoy um there is just a moment about hearing those people like cheering for you that like makes you go <laughs> you know, like when you're when you're tired and you're like I don't know oh my god and then like you, you you hear that and you're energized there is a moment that that is absolutely wonderful but I think one of the cool things that has come out of wrestling during the pandemic for me and like I'm really happy I'm starting to see this kind of stuff on WWE believe it or not is like they're taking advantage of the fact that nobody is there to say bullshit to anything <laughs> like I did a spot in Camp Leapfrog where I used my witch powers to Use to to harness lightning and send Miles Millennium and Big Dust into the pool with a special effect. And like, who's to say? Nobody was there. Did it happen? Did it not? Do I really have powers? I guess you just have to watch. And I just think that it's cool that they're taking advantage of that because wrestling is about enjoying the product and suspending your disbelief. And to see Alexa Bliss throw the fireball at Randy Orton, like, and to make us buy into that for the the. 10 minutes that segment was and that they just took total advantage of the fact that like there's nobody here we're just gonna put this in and go with it and i just think that's so cool like adding another layer to the cinematic match like adding that otherworldly element that like you know that was embraced by people like the undertaker right yeah yeah that's like, so cool i mean and you make such a good point in professional wrestling you know there are some things that should be taken seriously but the other thing is watching it and having fun right oh, yeah. and, and so, like for example, Orange Cassidy is can go when he has my to go. But my mom loves Orange Cassidy. That's like nope. her. <laughs> Nobody love. doesn't love Orange Cassidy. A, the dude's a stud. He dresses in denim all the time. <laughs> he, he's denim Dan. But <laughs> yeah, the gimmick is great. Um, it, it's so it's so inter- and if it's entertaining, it doesn't have to be serious for people to enjoy it. And, and I think that's um, a great thing you brought up. You also brought up Camp Leapfrog, which is. Yes. Such a fun hour or two, whatever it might be. It really like it takes that cinematic level of professional wrestling to a whole new level. Um, and Camp Leapfrog is available on IWTV. I actually think you could use the promo code Leapfrog and get a free uh, first week. So if you're not, if you're loving professional wrestling and you're not getting your fill, IWTV has been putting on shows literally through the pandemic. Um, it's it's a great service. So make sure you check that out. But how fun is it to be a part of Camp Leapfrog? It's got to be a blast. It's so much fun because it really does embrace like the weird, wild, and cinematic aspect of wrestling. Like it's it's just enough campy that it's endearing, and I love that because you know, in a world of wrestling where everybody prides themselves on athletic ability these days, whatever your definition of athletic ability may be, it's nice to see 
like all of us come together and we just really embrace like the entertainment aspect of it. Like the wrestling's solid. We have great matches. We have great talent, you know, but to, to have the story and just have like the fun is just something so different. I don't think there's anything else out there like Camp Frog right now. Um, and no, but, it's consistently entertaining with different characters. A lot, everybody else, like everybody's getting a chance to shine. Everybody gets a, a good amount of time and to tell their story and who they are. And it's just like, don't, Look at it for what it is, and that's some good wrestling with some real funny stuff. And you mentioned campy. Like, if you're a fan of, like, campy horror movies like I am, like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, oh, that that's kind of my wheelhouse. And it's like, you know, the WWE, I feel like they kind of tried to do that with the um, whatever they did with Matt Hardy and stuff like that. But when you – it's like anything. When you put too much production value into something, it takes the campiness out of it. The ca- Campy makes it fun, and that's what Camp Leapfrog is. Well, and the other thing that's cool about Camp Leapfrog, too, is, like, there's – a story being told it's not just wrestling you know wrestling for wrestling there's there's a story when we did our first one this summer the story was that it was wrestlers going to summer camp and that they would partake in these camp activities that would then lead to conflict that led to matches and the match was the resolution so there was a story there um there was like so i did a segment in the first one with deshaun pratt and Devontes, where i was the which the the arts and crafts counselor and I was teaching them how to make energy bracelets, which is friendship bracelets. But um, you know, Deshaun was like getting it totally vibing, and Devontes was the heel and very angry that he couldn't figure it out. And like he flips the table, they have a disagreement, and then just go out there and have a bang match. And it's just the setup and like the story. I think that's what makes it special is that everything has a story. Um, we were in a Christmas trios event where. It was kind of like, you know, a, a spoof off of the Chikara King of Trios tournament, especially because a lot of our campers were people who trained at Chikara for a very, very long time. We kind of wanted to get back to them. And Degeneration Hex is like the best name, by the way. <laughs> that was all Erica Lee. She's she's like such a queen. I love Erica so much. And she's like the queen of candy. I'm the queen of magic. She's the queen of candy. And Crusher is the queen of crushing. So it was the perfect team. It's, it's like the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus in 2021. 100%. Um, so we did that. We did a Halloween special, which was really fun. Like um, Killian McMurphy summoned these demons to camp that I had to drag back to hell with my magic powers. That was a great time. And we actually have a new one coming up that will be airing on Valentine's Day at 8 p.m. called Camp Love Frog. And it's still life with apricots and pears is hosting a Valentine's Day party at Camp Leap Frog. Um, with the helps of her friend Effie and the runway, so oh it's gonna be God, that is gonna be it's that so is fun. so cool. I can't wait to see this. It's gonna be incredible. People are just gonna fall in love with it. That's it's, and it's fun for the sake of fun with good wrestling and a fun story. Um, there's so much cool stuff. And a year that's been so weird with professional wrestling and whatnot. There are some really good things that came out of it, um, especially coming up. I mean, Game Changer Wrestling, as we mentioned, Fight Forever. Camp Leaf Frog's going to be on there. Camp Leaf Frog on IWTV. Where else can people follow along with you? Social media. Where can they see what's going on? Because I know we have some big news coming for you. We can't talk about it yet, but there will be. And where can we find it? I have Twitter and Instagram for my wrestling. Um, both handles are at Kaya MCK. So it's at K-A-I-A-M-C-K. And I try to regularly post all of my events I'm going to be at and just photos and daily blurbs, whatever, cool witchy stuff, you know, you name it. Those are my outlets. I'm not anywhere else, but I am active on those platforms. You can always find me there and that's good to go. I don't need anything else. I don't need to mess with Facebook. 
I don't need to mess with all that stuff. I have matches on IWTV. I do have some matches on YouTube. I have matches on Fight. So if you just Google Kyle McKenna, or I hate to say Google, I like how Google has become the default term for searching yeah. anything, right? Listen, you never Yahooed anything. You Googled it, right? Googled everything, even if it wasn't on Google. But if you search for me on those platforms, I do have content there as well. So Yeah, new content. You had a match uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe. So definitely check it out um, yeah. on YouTube. What, what was the name of the promotion? Parados? Pa- how do, what was that? Uh, it was um it's run by a gentleman named ed from san antonio and it's an all-women's show that runs annually in either san antonio vegas and i wrestled a lovely lady named strella she's an fsw student and she was incredible we had an awesome match and it was so fun to wrestle her because like man she's a force dude she's six two or whatever she hits hard and she's like she's like i said she's a force and it was a it was a huge challenge for me as a wrestler because me being tall and me being long legged, I'm used to using my like height to my advantage and my leg length and my jujitsu background. And it's like, man, like it just made me think outside the box. And shoot, that was just so it's such a good match. It's on my YouTube account if you want to go find it there and give it a look see. Absolutely. We'll post that. And the last thing I want to say is I want to throw out an idea for you. Oh body. I had to throw my whole body at her. Well, listen, we'll post that, but before I let you go, I want I have an idea for you. Absolutely. Game Changer Wrestling, Jiu-Jitsu background, Bloodsport. A hundred percent. I would love to do Bloodsport. It is on my goal list, believe it or not. Well, I'll get the tweets, Twittering, whatever the kids say these <laughs> days. I'll see if we can get something trending. But uh, Kyle McKenna, thank you so much for coming on the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We appreciate your time. We're looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. And Everybody check out uh, GCW's Fight Forever on YouTube. It's free. You have no reason not to. Starts uh, January 29th at 8 p.m. Goes all the way till January 30th at 8 p.m. 24 hours of professional wrestling for free. Nobody does that. Expect some surprises. And make sure you follow along on Twitter. And with us at All Night Long WP on everywhere you guys social media. That's it for another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We're tapping out.